Sports Center. I'm Doug Brown. The deadline for the PGA Tour and Live Golf to finalize their alliance is December 31st. Today, ESPN's Mark Schlebaugh reports John Rahm will sign with Live, a deal worth more than $300 million. It's not clear what effect this could have on the proposed merger. The question to Mel Kuyper Jr. today, who's the wildcard quarterback in the 2024 NFL Draft? His answer? Michigan's J.J. McCarthy. You haven't had that opportunity to really see him over a period of time go out and look like a wow quarterback, okay? He has the talent. He's got the mindset, the competitiveness, the desire to be great. Jim Harbaugh loves him. He's just, for me, I'd like to see more. Mel Kuyper Jr. on Carlin versus Joe. Florida running back Trevor Etienne enters the transfer portal. He led the Gators with eight rushing touchdowns this season. The NBA in-season tournament semifinal doubleheader in Las Vegas today. Coverage already underway on ESPN TV and radio. Bucks and Pacers followed by the Lakers and the Pelicans. Hey, it's Michelle Smallman coming up Friday. Chiefs and Bills. I'll tell you why I might be all in on the Chiefs this weekend. It's on Sportsmanlike, 6 a.m. Eastern, right here on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, and ESPNU. Live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Just past 5 o'clock. Thank you for joining us. If you've been with us since 4, thank you for staying with us. If you're just getting in your car here at 5 o'clock and tuning us in, thanks for finding us. 1061 ESPN. Sean Robertson alongside today from CBS 6. Lewis is our producer this afternoon. He'd love to hear from you first and get you on the air with us. 804-327-0888. We alluded to the um, four Virginia schools that are in bowl games coming up. I know Matt had uh, Ricky Ronnie on today from Old Dominion. They're getting ready to play down there in Charlotte against uh, Western Kentucky. Of course, you got James Madison, Virginia Tech, and Liberty, the other teams in the bowl. So pretty good representation. Very good representation yeah. from the state. A record number four teams from the Commonwealth will play in bowl games. Obviously, those other teams were always FBS. Right. They moved up. But you have four state teams playing in bowl games this year. And Liberty stuff. getting the big one. Yeah. The uh, New super Day. the yeah. New Year's Day six bowl game in uh, in Arizona against Oregon. Very we'll cool. have Bo Nix mm-hmm. playing at quarterback. Mm-hmm. He said he will play in the bowl game. Good. I mean, I knew we all knew it was going to happen. These guys backing out, mm-hmm. but man, I hate that. I hate that for the alums and the fans and people who are making plans to go to these bowl games. And they want to see the best players, and the business side of this thing has raised its ugly head. If you ask Caleb me. Williams for USC, yeah. you know they're playing in the Holiday Bowl. He said, "No, I'm not going to." I'm not going to play in that game feeling that, you know, he could do more. I guess there's everybody, all of these top quarterbacks are looking at that Jordan Travis injury and saying, man, if that happened to me in a game that really won't matter, it's just a glorified, quote unquote, for them, a glorified exhibition. Why do I need to put myself in harm's way and risk not being the number one or a top 10 or top 15 pick in this year's NFL draft. So Williams, one of the big names saying, I'm not going to play in the bowl. I wish it didn't come to that. I get it. I do. I understand the business side of it. I just don't like it. Yep. I I can tell you that. How about Florida? This will lead into our next topic. But how about Florida State? I guess the innuendo is out there. They may not play at all. Ooh. Right? Does that ever happen where a team just backs out of the bowl game altogether? They Man, I have not heard like of a team saying, outside of the COVID stuff. Yeah, I haven't heard of a team saying we're just going to flat out refuse. I mean, it's in their backyard, basically. You're you're not going to play in the Orange Bowl against Georgia. I mean, I understand the frustration. I understand being upset. Um, I take it back to when they made this this playoff format. Why are you putting making it a four team playoff when you have at the time five Power Five conferences? It will always going to be one was going to be left out. We hadn't had it until this year where a undefeated team from a Power 5 conference won their league championship but would be out. And everybody, you know, I've heard people talk about, well, it goes back to last year and TCU, the the college football committee, uh, didn't want to have that situation where 
TC, you know, a TC or a Florida State was going to get, you know, railroaded or just destroyed in the championship. Well, TCU beat Michigan to get there, so they mm-hmm. proved they belong. Just Georgia was the better team at that point. If you want to blame anybody, and I and I saw this just recently, so I'm not going to take credit for it. I did see this, and I actually agree with it. Blame Georgia. All they had to do was beat was Alabama. Win, right. <laughs> if they beat Alabama, Florida State's in. Yeah. And Texas would probably play Alabama you know, in a in a Super Six or a you know New Year's Day Six Bowl mm-hmm. game, Georgia would still be in. Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Florida State. Those would have been your four undefeated Power Five champions. They're in the playoff. Mm-hmm. While we're blaming TCU, while we you know Georgia, all they had to do was win in their backyard, and all of this controversy would have been avoided. Yeah, I'm still thinking about this Florida State thing, and I don't know if there's any substance to them. I think it's, it'll be really hard for them not to play. I know they're not going to be that totally be really, but, but yeah. think about how many guys are on that team and how many of them could get an opportunity, as mm-hmm. you said, playing in their backyard in the Orange Bowl against Georgia. I mean, when push comes to shove and we get to it, mm-hmm. I think they'll get fairly fired up to play in that game. now. And there's too much money at stake mm-hmm. as well. I just think that's probably an idle threat. That, yeah. they, that they wouldn't play in that they can, game. It, somebody would definitely take that sure. spot and say, oh, we'll play in that bowl game if push come to shove. I mean, if you're Coach Novell, you have to flip it and make it against make it it's us against the NCAA. I think so. They don't think we deserve to be in the college football playoff, so we're going to play who at the time was the number one team in the playoff rankings we're going to show the country that we deserve to be in that bowl game mm-hmm. i mean maybe no other florida state team ever went 13 and 0 maybe the, the last one that won the national title we got a chance to do something that no other or you know seminal football team has done and that's go you know 13 and 0 in a in, in a situation like that i would if i'm nova you've got to flip that and make it whatever chip a motivational tool to use and that should be the motivation hey we got a chance to play georgia i you think know, he's times. probably having a hard time with it oh yeah right the, now the, the expressions when that he's got to come to terms yeah. to grips with it first but i mean that pay i mean can't they, they're not going to put you in the right. four are it's in. done it's done it's over with it's a hard pill to swallow i and i like i said i was a huge florida state fan so i was it, I, I was hurting for them, mm-hmm. but given the situation, how they looked in those games without Travis, how Alabama looked, let's say last three or four games, and they beat the number one team in the rankings in their backyard for the SEC championship. And regardless of what people think, they're gonna they probably do view the SEC stronger than the ACC. Given the last what three or four national champions have come from the SEC, so I mean, so you'd have had them in. You'd have had Florida State, not Alabama. No, I would have had Alabama in. I had my four when mm. when it took place, and I, I was discussing it with a lot of my friends on Facebook and Twitter. I said, I said, this is what I think the committee would do. They would pick Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama. I would. I, I think that's what they would do. I'm not saying that's I'm agreeing with it, right? But I'm saying if you're putting Alabama and Florida State together, given what Florida State did in those last two or three games without Travis, and that was part of the criteria, you know, taking uh, into consideration if a injured player or a coach, you know, removed from the team would affect past performance and future performances in the playoffs. Your star quarterback, who was a Heisman candidate is out and how they looked with their second and third string quarterback they took that into account so would you have had florida state in with alabama winning i would have put alabama in so you would have kept florida state out i would have kept florida state out so you think they got it right yeah if travis was in and they won the games and they dominated I would have definitely put Florida State in. And even if the if the second string quarterback had phenomenal performances like Cordell Jones and they brought this up in 2014, them beating Wisconsin the way that they did and then going through the playoff, if those performances happen with Florida State, then you really got to think about, okay, let's see them in this playoff. I just think how the offense looked against Florida, Louisville, I think it was, and how Alabama looked in those games, even though they they struggled against Auburn, just how they looked against Georgia 
in their backyard to win that SEC championship. It was hard to ignore that performance and how they played. See, I would have had them in. I would have had Florida State in. And here's what I just can't get past. And I talk about this when we talk about ratings each week. They got a zero in that right-hand column. Yeah. And they play a representative schedule yeah. as a power conference team. They played a couple SEC teams. They beat them. Yeah, I, I'm not as much about the eye test in this case, which apparently you and the committee are mm-hmm. by talking about all you know who's the backup quarterback. How they they're going to have a month to get whoever it is ready to play, and whoever that is that's going to quarterback for Florida State wasn't Chop Liver coming out of high school. By right. the way, he wouldn't be at Florida State. If he was, he's probably a pretty darn good player who hasn't had an opportunity yet to prove it. And I think they would have gotten him ready and they would have been competitive. And to me, the fact that they had a zero in the loss column, I don't know how I would have kept them out. I would not. I would have rather taken the wrath of Saban and Mm. Alabama and the SEC. And this is where you get into all the conspiracy theories that you got to have Alabama, you got to have it, or Georgia. You got to have an SEC team. And you don't have to have an SEC team in this thing. You got to do what the NCAA basketball committee pretends to do which is we don't care about what conference you're in supposedly right supposedly i know but in this case i think you do i i i wasn't as adamant about it i'm sounding more adamant now (laughs) but i just knew it was going to end like your original premise is exactly right it had to end badly because of the math Mm -hmm. of four teams going and there being five Five power cut it had to so no matter which way you went there was going to be an argument there was going to be high drama I think there's more high drama when you keep an unbeaten team out of yeah. this thing. I would have had Florida State. In and there. then when they showed Florida, Georgia as six, then I was like, oh, yeah, Alabama's in. When yeah. I saw that, I'm like, there's no way they're going to put Florida State above Alabama and Georgia and give Florida. I mean, even though the whole conspiracy thing, I was like, it was hard for me to see both SEC teams not in one was going to be in the sec champ was going to get in to me and that's what happened and that's what happened See, I, I would have kept them out this year i mm. would have i mean wow that's just I, I i don't have as big of a dog in this fight i really yeah. don't and um, i don't either but and either just, way th- there was going to be an issue yeah either way but i tell you what the, the team that that really felt it was michigan they did not want to play oh Alabama. you saw their reaction oh to that. yeah they right. did not want to play Alabama. Right. Now, I admit, that's going to be a great game, and I'll watch that one yeah. for sure. But now, yeah. I mean, I'll watch them both, but but that one it's will be. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's I mean, going to be very with Alabama and, and how Milrow has played down the stretch and Michigan and the expression on their face. They're going to turn it on, and they're going to get ready for oh, the game. Oh, they'll be ready. But they were hoping for Florida State because it's like, oh, that's an easy path to the national championship. Nope, you got to go through Saban mm-hmm. to get to the final. Well, it's creating a lot of great talk for the next three and a half weeks or until we get there, whatever. But yeah, I, I like I said, I would have. I, I think it's just hard to keep an unbeaten. Like like when the ratings go every week, I always say this: if you're unbeaten mm-hmm. and you're number one in the ratings, you can't be topped. I don't care how badly you play. If you win the game, mm-hmm. I don't. In my mind, if I was a voter, mm-hmm. I would never jump an unbeaten number one team. Never. Like. I don't care if you win on a bad call by the official or a fluke bounce of the ball or whatever the case. If I if you win the game and you're still unbeaten, no one's topping you. I don't care how good the second place team is. Wow. Okay. Doesn't matter if you're number one. Now, so we had this debate, which, which means that people have deemed you good enough already yeah. to be number one. We had this debate during the high school football season too when. Um, in our poll, we had Holland Springs. Holland Springs had lost a game this year, but a lot of the coaches felt even though Holland Springs lost, they felt they were the best team in the area, and they didn't drop them. Even That's they, a little different to me because they have a blemish. Yeah. A little different. But there. they were still number one even though they had the loss. Yeah. And you had teams below them that were undefeated. I'd probably move those up. Yeah. And that that was, I probably would have some. There was some you know, discussion about that. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. but I, I got what you're saying. All right. But I would have – just I would have still had Alabama in there, yep. given how they play. But that's what the, nah, the, CF, the CFP committee wanted yep. us to talk about, and we certainly did this We certainly week. are. Um, all right, here's what else we're talking about. Reggie, hang on the line. We're going to move on. But Sean just brought up your favorite words, high school football. <laughs> so we're going to get to that on the other side. Just be patient and hang with us. Here we go, 5 o'clock hour of the Sports Huddle. These are this afternoon's top sports stories. I'm sure you'll be fascinated by all the uh, stories you have to tell. This is today's Drive Home Headlines. 
Brought to you by James River Air. If you're not happy with your heating and cooling system, give James River Air a call. Get a free in-home consultation, or you can check them out online at jamesriverair.com. Uh, all right, Reggie's coming up after the break. Looks like he wants to talk some high school football championships. That's right up your alley. Yep. We will do that. 804-327-0888 if you'd like to get on the air with us. It's also our text line. I'll check on that during the break here and get back to you on those. 327-0888. And we will continue our discussion about the college football playoff and also the rest of the bowl games. Yeah. Because uh, we said the Commonwealth of Virginia very well represented. And I think there are some other intriguing games. Uh, and I hope we have a really good bowl season. I mean, I do like college football bowl season. I do. Yes. So I hope we have some good games, and I hope most of the guys play. I know I'm probably living 20 <laughs> years ago now where everybody just was excited and likes to play. But, that hey, that's me at the holidays. I want good bowl games. All right, Reggie, hang on. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll get to you next. Other callers, now's a good time to get in line to get on the air. 804-327-0888. Sports Auto 1061 ESPN be this awarding. We all hear the radio ads about the IRS. They tell you to be afraid, to be scared, and they try to frighten you into calling. I'm not here to do that. Tax Relief Advocates is different. TRA is here to tell you that if you owe money to the IRS, whether it's 5000 50000 or 500000 we have a solution. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in your car, at work, or with your kids. No matter where you are, call now. 800-575-5407. Don't lose hope. TRA can eliminate or reduce what you owe to the IRS. There is zero risk to you. If we can't reduce your tax debt, then you pay nothing. Our passion is taxes and helping individuals fix their IRS problems. We have a five-star rating on Google and Yelp and an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. You don't need to be afraid of the IRS any longer. End your tax nightmare today by visiting us online at TRA.com or call 800-575-5407. That's 800-575-5407. Tax Relief Advocates, real solutions for real people. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. It's the holiday season, and Famous Footwear is stocked with all the styles your family wants from the brands you love at prices that fit everyone's list. Shop the comfiest Hey Dude shoes and coolest Crocs, or snag the perfect pair of Fair Paw boots and slippers. Plus, for a limited time, find the latest Nike styles for the whole family at savings of up to 30% off. Shop Famous.com or bring the whole family into a Famous Footwear near you and spread some cheer this holiday season with the gift of famously great shoes. Ballot on select styles. Football season. All right, it's 20 after 5. Did Reggie, uh, Lewis, did Reggie go away? Is Reggie still there? Reggie's still there? Of course Reggie's still there. What was I thinking? <laughs> Sean's here. We've got to have our little love fest. Oh, here we go. For a Thursday afternoon. Here we go. Happy holidays, Reggie. Uh, the Wall of Fame of VSU. John Roberts and Titletown Bob. I don't know about this weekend. It hasn't been Titletown Bob here. Oh, my. Yep. We got to get back to those good old days, Reggie, but it's not happening right now. Had to say a little shot in there, but John, I think this year will be the best coaching job that Coach Lawrence Johnson of Howard Springs because he got a pretty tough road this weekend. What do you think? No, freedom is tough. Freedom is tough. Uh, they are the defending state champs in Class 6. They have a quarterback who has the VHSL career record for passing touchdowns. Um, but I did get a chance to see him on tape, and he, seen, he looked a little undersized. I don't know if he's six foot. Um, so if I think if you're Holland Springs, if you're able to get some pressure up front against him and keep him in the pocket and not get him out of the pocket – as um, Richmond's defensive coordinator told me during the game, we don't want the quarterback to climb up the pocket. 
We want him to keep him. Hmm. You, did you like that? He never told me that. He never. T- Coach Wood, <laughs> giving you the scoop. He makes, I think that was the Hampton game. He said we want Chris to stay in the pocket. We don't want him to climb up the pocket and use his legs to make plays. So if he doesn't make sense. plays, and and you keep him confined in that pocket and use your your length, you might could give him some problems. You might could give him some problems. But I tell you what, I will not put anything past Lauren and Coach Simmons in a one game winner take all situation. What time is that game Saturday? That is an eleven thirty kickoff. Love it. Saturday at Scott <laughs> Stadium. Oh, okay. Hey, Bob, um, seems like some of these local people are upset about the HBCUs. Um Norfolk State kinda took in a little business with VCU. Then old little Penny, Coach Penny comes in last night and I'm like, what the hand sandwich is going on with VCU in the basketball program? Havoc seems not to be, you know, havoc in anymore. What's happening there, Bob? Well, you're, me, Sean. you're asking the wrong guy because <laughs> I, Sean's the VCU guy. I don't, I don't even see yeah, him play most nights. Know, Bob, that, that, that's your rival. Well, I, here's the question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I, I got the sense, and obviously, I did not see the VCU game last night. Followed the scores a little bit as we were doing our game. And I haven't had a chance today to go back and watch it again, which I've done before. I got a feeling, Sean, there was a better vibe out of VCU, even though they lost the game yeah. last night. I it's, don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. No, I, th- I think you're right. I think the the I I asked Fast Billups point blank. I said, "How close do you think you guys are to kind of you know get into a run?" He kind of gained, you know did the whole little middle mm-hmm. meter. He thinks they're very close now, given you know one player is out with injury. Barristow, he has not played this year. The other guy who they were counting on, his eligibility has been denied. So he Correctly, won't play. Uh, by this, the way, yeah, if you he, ask me. He won't play this year. So, I mean, last night they only went eight deep. They only went three deep in the bench, and they provided a lot. I mean, Toby LaWall had 16 points. Fats had 13 points. Nelson had 11. The thing is going to be those post players, you know. Are they going to get, you know, are they going to get more from Furman? Are they going to get more from Toby? Will Wheeler get back in the rotation? He did not play last night. Um, wow, he, he didn't even play. He did not play last night. He played very little Friday against Norfolk State. So wow. that's going to be the question. When you get Bearstow now back in, how does that rotation will look and how Wheeler will fit that rotation is, is going to be the question. But, you know, obviously they did not like the loss. They felt they played a lot, a lot better than they did against Norfolk State. But there's some things they definitely have to clean up. I mean, you can't lose two straight at home in the midst of an eight-game homestand. You got to, you got to, you know, get back, and hopefully they get back Sunday against Alcorn State. And Reggie, let's not start comparing Memphis to Norfolk State. Okay, please don't. All no, do, all do. You, you, no. you grouped them in the same thing there. Like you I'm did, like, Reggie. wait a minute. I'm just saying, and, and I, had two game losing. And, and Memphis is not an <laughs> Right, Memphis is not an HBCU. <laughs> And Norfolk State's really good, and Robert Jones is a hell of a coach. No question. Don't get so yes. I, you know I I get all that, but let's not put them both. And I the love same. Penny to death, but I tell you what, given what Jones has done with Norfolk State, I I would I would put I'm my in money on Norfolk State. I would I put my too. money on Norfolk State. Yes. And, and I talked. <laughs> we talked leading up to that game. <laughs> What a sinister lie that was, Reggie. I, ta- I can't help myself. <laughs> I talked to Jones during that game, and he and the first thing he asked was, you know, why did it, why all of a sudden did they call us now to 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 renew that series? And he said, if they don't call us back, we will take that as a compliment. We want to show them that hey, you know, we wanted to keep this rivalry going, not play it once every twenty five years. And he was like, they would take it as a compliment if they don't get a call back, and for them to come here, go to Richmond, and then beat. VCU with some good guard play. I mean, that kid Jones is good. Um, I'm trying to think. The I can see the other guys. Uh, the names escape me, but um, oh, B Tran yeah. is another one. A Darden, uh, the transfer from Longwood. He's gotten a lot of guys now that want to come to Norfolk State. Three guys from Ryder all transferred from that program to come to Norfolk hmm. State. They're viewing Norfolk State now as a destination. Uh, to yes, do sir. some special things, yes, and and that's a credit to what Coach Jones and his staff is doing at Norfolk State. So and, Mem- Memphis is sixty two in the net. Yeah, Norfolk State yeah, is like two oh five. Yeah. So come on, but Bob, Bob, you remember back then when the White Shadows, Coach Robbins gave these mm-hmm. kids, mm-hmm. they didn't want to play Union back in the day. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, Bob. 
You put some respect on the HBCU. I'm all for it. I'm I'm I am all in on Norfolk State. Absolutely. And VCU's playing three HBCUs this non-conference season. They've already played Norfolk State. They'll play Alcorn State Sunday, and they'll play Maryland Eastern Shore a week from next Saturday. Two weeks from Saturday coming up. So yeah. Yeah. And tell Richmond football keep playing the HBCU schedule. I love it. You guys do a great job. Keep playing. All right. Thanks, Reggie. Appreciate it. <laughs> There's that line. There's a- and Richmond is, actually. They, it, the, the Delaware State thing was a home and home. So they are actually going to really? Delaware State next Look year. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> Some of us are more excited about that than uh- <laughs> others, like in your case. There. That's a nice trip up there to Dover. Eh, I don't know if that. <laughs> no. I'm ready to pay them off, and we'll go find another opponent. But get, make a stop at the Delaware House. Buy those. Oh, hers, I've been to the Delaware House. Buy those hers, but barbecue those hers potato <laughs> chips. In fact, I'll give you some money. Buy me some on the so way back. So if that's the highlight of going to play Delaware State, we should not be playing at Delaware State. <laughs> you just proved. I've never actually. I've never been to Delaware State. Me. Either. I've never been to the campus, but I, I've heard. I've, I've, some old colleagues at CBS Six were Delaware State graduates. All right. And they, they show much love to Delaware State. So it'd be, a very, it'd be an interesting matchup going to Dell State. Right, that's a little way in the future. <laughs> but but Reggie got us going on college hoops. Let's take a break. We'll come back and talk a little bit more college hoops, VCU and Richmond and whatever else we may come up with here. Uh, as we get into the last half hour of the Sports Out of 1061 ESPN. Just east of Parham. A duel that's... Or visit Prevnar20.com. Paid for by Uploader Rewards. Paid for com. DecemberCash750.com. And Reichel's... Welcome back, 532, Bob and Sean on the Sports Huddle for another half hour. Take you up until 6 o'clock tonight. Uh, I do not have a show tomorrow. Traveling once again, as I've been kidding. If you can't find me, look on an airplane. A traveling You'll probably man. find me somewhere. <laughs> Fortunately, we travel very well on these airplanes, yes, and that yes. does help. And this is the end of it with this trip to Florida <laughs> uh, for Richmond this weekend to play in this Orange Bowl classic doubleheader, Florida State and South Florida first game and then Richmond and Florida in the second game. We'll have it on 1061 ESPN. It's also on the SEC network and then after that it it slows down considerably. As got some I, home as, games coming up. We after got home that. games and as I kid all the time, I love final exam week. I don't have to take them and they do, so we don't play at all. So I love final exam week. Things are quiet. Things are oh, quiet for a week. At that point. But then I'll miss it. Then I'll be ready to go. Yeah. But by, by next Saturday, I'll be. I'm. I'm still ready to go. Because it's Charlotte next Saturday. Charlotte. Right? They got uh, Charlotte to go. Buffalo and Lafayette, Lafayette before conference play. Three games Begins. left. In that, the that's why last night was a tough pill to swallow for them. I really thought that was as things have unfolded the most important game to play. It was a fellow mid major mm-hmm. successful program. They've struggled a little bit out of the gates. Need a home, a road win for Richmond, and had a ten point lead in the first half, and 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 couldn't couldn't finish the deal. And and you know they've talked about it. They've they've kind of embraced or met this head on this thing about not winning on the road, mm-hmm. and they haven't. And they they you know they did everything you know they could, but still fell short. You know, go, turnovers to a, got to them last night, yeah. which is rare. It's the first time that's happened really all year. Um, and then they got inconsistent play. Like Isaiah Bigelow was great in the first half, 17 points, hmm. zero in the second. Jordan King, they shut him down, shut him out in the first half, 20 in the second. Wow. Like, you know, you got to find yeah. some consistency there. No question. So. Now you don't want to get to a point where it's mental now. You go on the right. road and it's like, oh, you know, here we go again. You know, you, do, you don't want to get to that point where everything is now more magnified yep. on the road. And that's, that's the last one before conference. Yeah. Play. It was the last – Last opportunity. That's a tough one. It was tough. It was it was a difficult one for them to swallow. I mean, this one technically is a neutral court Saturday. I mean, it's not really, but, but it, it is. It, it's not on their yeah. home court. Yeah. Grant you that. But still, it's away from it. it's away from their from the Robinson Center. So even if though it's neutral, it's still those the demons might creep up. You get that lead. Might, and then now they've they won make, neutral. They beat yeah. UNLV earlier yeah. this year on neutral. That but a true that's road a little game. Different. Yep. Yeah. I know. I know. Uh, all right, we'll get back to a little more college uh, talk, get more of your take on, on VCU from their game against Memphis um, and what they've got coming up. They've got all home games now, right? They don't play yeah, any away they don't, they don't leave yeah. the state till January 13th at LaSalle. Yeah. And LaSalle's actually LaSalle's not too bad. been good. Coach Fran Dumfries is yep. uh, doing pretty good this year. You know, it's pretty amazing. You look at the Atlantic 10, and it was a mixed bag night last night, mm-hmm. but the team that is dragging the Atlantic 10 down, 
right now is St. Louis. Mm. They are so yes, bad. Yes, they got blitzed by who? who uh, was, oh, oh that, yeah, I know who you're thinking. It was by like 50, wasn't it? Yeah. St. Louis lost by like 50 to something. Something like that. They've been, it's been bad. I mean, they're four and five, but it feels worse than that. Yeah. And they're 226 in the net. Second I gotta worst find that score. That team. that one really surprised me. That yeah. St. Louis has, has fallen off like that. Yep, I know. All right, let's go back to the phones. I just uh, flipped the TV onto ESPN here a little bit and saw a little bit of the NBA in-season tournament going. Mm-hmm. And look at that. The bat signal kind of went up. <laughs> and there's Bruce on the other end of it. Good evening, Bruce. Hey, good evening, Bob. Good evening, Sean. Just real quick as a prerequisite, I'll see you guys on Monday. Uh, I think G Money will be out there on Monday nice. as well. Nice, excellent. Look yeah. forward to seeing you guys out there. You guys, you're always very supportive of that, Bruce. So thank you very much. Well I done, think it's Bruce. A great, it's a great event, guys. It's a it, great event. Thank you. You make it great. You help make it great. Before we go to the association, let me clear up. Let me provide some clarification, if you will. The bet signal is exclusive. It is an exclusive tool. <laughs> It is not to be used for others that are nationwide. The bat signal is housed in RVA, and it's exclusive to the RVA caller. Mm. So I heard Matt make mention in the 3 o'clock hour that he had used the bat signal to reach out to a college attorney. It doesn't work that way, guys. Mm. <laughs> the bat signal does not. It, so that was a major transformer malfunction today earlier with the bat signal. Uh, I'm so with I you on that, Bruce. I'm with you on that. Yes. It's an exclusive tool, guys. That's something that we cherish mm. is having that bat signal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All so right. with that being said, with that being said, guys, hey, man, Sean, I know you're a Laker fan. Yes. Hey, this, in, this in-season tournament has been a slam dunk. Pun intended. Yeah, but I, I, I'm still not – I mean, I don't know – to me, I don't think it raises my interest in watching the league. I mean, yeah, you're playing, what is it? I think they're playing for a half million dollars. Each Correct. Playing for a half million dollars. Okay, so now it's like, okay, I won't play against, let's say, the Spurs, but it's the in-season tournament. Oh, I'm going to play against the Pelicans. You know, it's like, you know, this whole load management, you know, but I'm going to play, I'm going to put my all in it for a half million dollars. I mean, you should just want to play because it's a chance to improve your standing because every, you know, we always say every game count. You know, what if you lose, you know, home court by a game or you lose, you know, home court advantage in the Western Conference playoffs by a game because you didn't play against Minnesota in January or you didn't play against Brooklyn in February. I think, you know, I just, I, the guy saying, "Okay, we're going to give our all because we got pl- we got something to play for." You got something to play for when you put on the jersey. You get a paycheck for goodness <laughs> sakes. That's that's just me, I Bruce. Agree. I agree. I agree. And, and but let let me provide this as a friendly footnote to that. Okay. There's I, I believe, and I bring a bias. I think there's too much conversation that the association has a has created around load management because what we should what the association should be talking about is a player like anthony edwards they should be talking about these players who now get it that they have to play 82 games Mm -hmm. or they should be talking about a player such as the point guard in indiana and so we've allowed the we've allowed the hardens the Kawhi leonard's low management conversation to dominate the conversation versus having these guys who are, as you referenced, putting on the jersey and knowing they have to represent. And, and, and that's a tale that's unfortunate for the, the management in the NBA. That's mm-hmm. my take on that. No, I agree with that. I mean, I think these young guys, you know, the Sacramentos, the Indianas, uh, the Pelicans, they're getting this opportunity to be on this on this platform against teams that, you know, are, are quote unquote saving their superstars, uh, you know, for the stretch one. What it, you know, back then it, it wasn't it wasn't like that. So I mean, you know, I'll probably watch the Laker game tonight a little bit uh, against New Orleans to see LeBron and see and AD to to, to play against um, 
Ingram and Zion and CJ and, and those guys. But, you know, to say, hey, at the end of this, we're going to play, you know, play for a half million dollars and then get back to regular season play, even though those games in the end season tournament count. To me, it's counterproductive. Hey, Bruce, Bruce, you got a second? Yeah, to, you, got, you got a second to converse here for a minute? Don't don't leave me. You all right? Okay. Yep. Don't go I'm anywhere. Good. I'm good. My guy here, okay. my guy Lewis here, my producer, the guy you just talked to, he is chomping at the bit to have this association conversation with you, oh, Lewis. Oh, look at that! Hey, look, fellas, I got Zion in the Pelicans beating the Lakers and probably winning the whole thing. What say you, know, you Bruce? I, I, I don't think that's a bad call. I do not think that's a bad call. I'm going to tell you, Bob, Sean, and Sweet Lou. Sweet um, Lou! Sweet Lou. I love this, it. <laughs> this, this New Orleans Pelicans team, this Indiana Pacers team, I would not be surprised if that's the final in Vegas come Saturday. I would not be surprised if that's the final in Vegas come Saturday. Zion shot 100% from the field on Monday evening, a hundred percent. He went. He did not miss a shot. And everybody sleeps and, on Zion. Yes. yes, and and they are they are playing that well. That well. And what's unique in New Orleans town is the coach, a former seventy sixer. But that's the that that's the take. And then of course you have Rick Carlisle in Indiana. Both of these coaches bring something extra to their teams. And I just love what Halliburton is doing. So I would not be surprised if we had a Pacer Pelicans final. Now the referees are of course gonna add into that because everyone wants to see LeBron in the finals. Uh-oh. But I would not be surprised. All right. He threw the conspiracy in there. Yeah, it's there always it a conspiracy he theory. Planted that seed. Bruce, thanks my friend. We'll talk to you next week when they wrap it up. All thanks, right. Guys. He he wasn't he he liked your pick there, Lewis. Sweet Lou, sorry. I know, right? So I got a new name today. But yeah, man, everybody's sleeping on Zion, and I said whenever he got drafted that he was going to be one of the best players, you know, in the NBA. Like that's what it's going to go down to. Why do you think they're sleeping on him? His injuries or what? I was going to say I don't think they're sleeping on him. Yeah, I, I just think he's just are. never been healthy. Right. Yeah. That. But I mean, every time that he has played, he does nothing but dominate, and you know. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully this in-season tournament would allow him to to show what he's really about. And mm-hmm. if he gets that championship, then he's going to earn some respect for sure. Well, Bruce, but, Bruce liked your pick. But the problem is he's played very <laughs> few games and has been sitting on that bench more times than not getting that paycheck. He's got he's got to do this regularly. This ain't just a one game. I'm a pl- one season. I'm gonna play seventy plus games. This has got to be an every year thing for Zion to put the pressure on New Orleans to give him the extension. If they haven't, I must. And if I missed that he got an extension from them, I apologize. But if the if he hasn't, put the pressure on them. You know, show show that you're consistent. What I said, the best ability is availability, and right now he mm-hmm. has not been showing that in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, before these games recently, I was under the impression that he wanted out of New Orleans, but now he's playing like they, you know, like the team's clicking. So maybe he he would want to stay. But before I was under the impression that he wanted out. What are they? They're over five hundred now, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. twelve and ten. Hey, want that big market? Yeah, that's what it comes down to. You want to play in New York? You want to play in Los Angeles? You want to play in those big markets where you're gonna get that big money? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good take, Lewis. Sweet, sweet Lou. Lou. Sweet Lou. Okay, sweet Lou. (laughs) All right, all right. Let's take one more break. We'll finish it up with Sweet Lou and Sean from CBS (laughs) Six and. Just little old Bob sitting here. Title Tile Bob. Just little old Bob sitting over here. Back after one more break, Sports Title 1061 ESPN. All right, finishing up for a Thursday afternoon. Again, uh, no sports huddle tomorrow. I am traveling with uh, Spider Basketball at Florida on Saturday. But then after that, I think we should have a full week probably next week because uh, no no Spider Basketball next week. And, of course, Monday again. That'll be the next one. Really looking forward to that out at uh, Henrico Sports and Events Center for our cheering gear. Salvation Army will be out there. Greg Burton's going to make an appearance who really started this whole thing. We hope you'll come by. Matt Joseph and I will be broadcasting live uh, uh, bring those basketballs, footballs, baseball glove, ball, bat, whatever you got uh, for the youngsters in our area, as we talked about earlier today. Um, all of these gifts 
will stay in our area for the youngsters 10 to 16 years of age. Uh, really looking forward to being up there on Monday. They got a women's game Monday night. If you want to stick around for that, check out the new facility and be a part of our show from 3 to 6 Monday afternoon. All right. Um, we're talking some bowl games there. Uh, Sean, we talked about the Virginia teams that are in there. Any others? I'm, I'm running down the list. I'm trying to find one that I would say I would particularly like to watch that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Clemson and Kentucky, believe it or not. Mm. I kind of like that game. That's the Gator Bowl. When was the last time we talked about Clemson not in the yes. playoff and they're playing a Gator Bowl matchup? Yes, that's true. Maybe that's one of my intrigues of that, yeah. is that we got them out of the big time. You know, mm-hmm. let's Let's see how they do. Down with with the other with the other folk a little bit, you know. <laughs> yep. Uh, the, actually, Virginia Tech Tulane game I think could be really good. I think Tech. But I, I think, think Tulane's have, better, but they probably are. But I wouldn't. Uh, they're going to get a lot of people coming up to Maryland from a oh, yeah. game for yep. for Virginia. They Tech. should, right? And Coach Pry is saying that's a very important game for future classes to come to Blacksburg. He said that's a footprint area for them to recruit, so that you know they're going to have to. Really play a strong game against a really good Tulane team. Yeah, and I, you know, winning that game gives them a winning record. Yep, you know, That'd be and big. that's another one of my. I don't like these six and six teams. In to be honest with you, all due respect and liking of Virginia Tech, I wish you had to have seven wins. Mm. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but. Because I was going to say, JM, you would have been in a, in a better bowl game. They would. Have. If that's <laughs> that's the true. Case. That's true. But I just think there are teams that finish six and seven, and then they lose their coach. You know, he gets fired yeah. for going six mm-hmm. and seven, mm-hmm. and they were in a bowl game. I'm interested, actually, in that in that Holiday Bowl. I want to. Oh, see, that's always a good one. Who's yeah. in that one? Uh, Louisville, Louisville and USC. USC. You know, so who's now the quarterback the, for yeah, USC? Who's, right? Who's going to play quarterback for for USC? Um, the other kid, Washington, who put up really good numbers for the Trojans this year, almost a thousand yards receiving, six touchdowns. You know. It's basically in their backyard. They're playing in San Diego. Um, mm-hmm. Louisville's mm-hmm. got to go cross country mm-hmm. to play this game, and you just wonder, like, okay, will USC get up for this matchup? And this quarterback, whoever the quarterback's going to be, this is your opportunity on a national stage to say, okay, I'm going to be the guy to lead this team uh, into the Big Ten next year because <laughs> now you, you're putting. All of those teams in the Big Ten on notice like, hey, USC, we're coming. We're mm-hmm. coming next year. Watch yep. out for us. Don't forget us. <laughs> Don't forget us, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Isn't that we're crazy? coming next year. That, right. Those going to be some interest. It's going to be some great drama mm-hmm. and theater with USC going up against those heavyweights in the Big Ten yep. next year. My guys at Syracuse lucked out. I mean, they haven't had a good year. They made a coaching change. They fired they sure their coach. They're going to Boca Raton, Florida for that? the holidays. How about that? How good is that? You gonna call some people, call some alums, say, "Hey, let's make that trip." Uh, maybe. <laughs> I, well, not that. No, I got a game that night. As a oh. matter of fact, keep an eye on it. South Florida and Syracuse in the Boca Raton Bowl. Mm. Not gonna have a whole lot of eyeballs on it, but as an alum, I would look at it. But yeah, I mean, they're six and six, and they're going to Boca Raton for the holidays. Meh. Anyway. Um, just, also, Duke playing in the Birmingham yep. Bowl. You know, yep. they're gonna have a new coach. Yep. Uh, who will be the interim in that situation? Um, does. ACC had what, like eleven teams, didn't they? I think so. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, Virginia, one of them that will Did hopefully not. play next year. Yeah, and and real quick with Virginia getting Chris Tyree to mm-hmm. commit to yeah. the Cavaliers after transferring from Notre Dame, he gets one year left. That is a huge mm-hmm. get for Coach Elliott to 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 get a in state standout like Tyree to come, and that was a player that Calandria really wanted to come to Virginia. He was one of the first Cavaliers to say, come on back home and play with us. If they keep him and and play him and use him like Notre Dame did this year, I think that would be a really, really good get. See, I think things are quietly getting better at Virginia. Mm -hmm. I think the dark cloud over them was, unfortunately, they laid an egg against Virginia Tech. And you're only as good as your last game and all that. I get that. If that hadn't happened... Even if they didn't get to a bowl, well, they weren't getting to a bowl game. They could have felt, not even win the Virginia Tech game, although that's bad when you don't beat your rival. Yeah. But they weren't even competitive won't for whatever competitive. reason. And that surprised but, me. But I think for the most part during the year, they were competitive. They were. They're doing pretty well in recruiting. You're right about the Tyree acquisition with mm-hmm. Calandria. You know, they, they beat Carolina. You need to be new to be everything you dreamed of. It just needs to be Audi certified pre-owned. 
Backed by Audi expertise and numerous benefits, an Audi-certified pre-owned vehicle delivers superior value. Audi Richmond has a wonderful selection of certified pre-owned Audi models, all backed by the Audi pre-owned warranty and Audi 24-hour roadside assistance. Find your match at AudiRVA.com and see if you don't agree. An Audi-certified pre-owned is everything you dreamed of. Audi Richmond, a Magna Society Award winner. This is SportsCenter. I'm Doug Brown. ESPN's Mark Schlebaugh reports Masters champ John Rahm will leave the PGA Tour to join Live Golf on a multi-year deal worth more than $300 million. NFL Week 14 kicks off tonight in Pittsburgh where the 7-5 Steelers host the 2-10 Patriots. 41-year-old kicker Robbie Gold announces his retirement today in a story on the Players' Tribune. Gold played for 18 years, mostly with the Bears and 49ers. He's 10th on the NFL's all-time scoring list. Outfielder Juan Soto is now a Yankee after a trade with the Padres. ESPN's Jeff Passan. He is a bona fide superstar now. They paid a hefty price for a guy who's going to be a free agent after the 2024 season, but frankly, they needed to. Coming off a disappointing year in New York, now they're able to pair him and Aaron Judge in an outfield that looks a lot more dangerous. Jeff Passan, the Yankees missed the playoffs this year for the first time since 2016. And Bob Chesney is the new head football coach at James Madison. Hey, it's Michelle Smallman coming up Friday. Chiefs and Bills. I'll tell you why I might be all in on the Chiefs this weekend. It's on Sportsmanlike, 6 a.m. Eastern, right here on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, and ESPNU. Lead by Example with Bob Myers is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook. You bet, you get. With Caesars Rewards, must be 21 or older. This episode was recorded prior to Bob Iger's return to the Walt Disney Company. Welcome to Lead by Example. I'm Bob Myers. Today we have a, another Bob here, uh, Bob Iger, a little, little more established and renowned than, than, than this one. But uh, I could go into all the accolades, Bob, but I assume the people watching and listening are aware of who you are and what you've done and it's a pretty long list so i'm, I'm gonna skip it if you don't if that doesn't offend you we're we're gonna get to all of it through the course of this okay that's fine fine now, by the way you you hold up pretty well against me or you stack up pretty yeah. well i don't have any i don't have any nba championship rings. well one day we can get let's get to that later maybe maybe one day maybe one day i certainly uh, i think i just opened a can of worms <laughs> no we're gonna that's gonna be the, the final we'll get to that in the final chapter so i looking at your life which is fascinating to me um there's so many parts that i could jump into but as you did in your job uh, leading for as many years as you did you get a lot of resumes um i imagine getting the resume of a young bob Iger and seeing the fact that you stocked grocery stores and delivered pizza, that would jump out to me. It really would. And I would say, because I don't know that um, maybe different age, different time, to me that says a lot about someone. What, what were those experiences like for you? And, and did they shape you or you just needed the money and that was the job you got? Well, both. I definitely needed the money. I grew up under relatively modest circumstances. And from a relatively early age, I had to make money to spend money, meaning you know, if I wanted certain, I'll call it luxuries. Then, by the way, is being able to buy the newest Beatles album. Right. That was a luxury. Um, then I had to figure out a way to earn the money to do that. I just didn't, you know, my parents, um, you know, put a roof over my head and fed me well. And I certainly had clothes on my back. But I'll call it the discretionary or frivolous things I had to work for. And so I, I worked in a variety of so-called menial jobs, willingly, by the way, without complaint. The most interesting thing about it is interesting. I don't know whether this is a, what comes first, but whether I had a great work ethic to begin with. And when I went to work, even in those early jobs, that work ethic was on display or whether I learned when I had those jobs that if I worked hard, my work would be appreciated and there would be rewards reaped if I did that. Yeah. And oh. that's, that topic alone or that dynamic for me really has had more of an impact on my career than just about anything else, meaning learning early the power of hard work mm -hmm. and, um, and the opportunities that hard work, hard work creates was such a, a valuable early lesson. 
And I think actually I'm where I am today because of that. What, what was that? You, 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 it sounds like you don't even know now why the why of that. Like, was that you? Was that your parents? What, what did something happen that taught you, I have to work hard? This is just the way of the world? Or, or you just woke up as a kid and, and that's what you were and that's who you are? Well, I think, look, a lot of it has to be um, genetic or, 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 my, or, my, or my parents in some form or another, even subtly instilling that value in me. Um, I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but what seemed very clear to me is that uh, hard work would enable me to overcome other, I'll call them either deficiencies or insecurities that I had. So, for right. instance, I thought I always felt I was a normal intellect. I actually still feel that way. I I, I worked with people who seemed significantly smarter than I was, at least at the time. And maybe, again, little this was insecurity, I don't know. I made up for that with hard work. I just outworked everybody. Um, and sometimes it was just stature. You know, even my days at ABC Sports, working alongside people who went to Stanford and Harvard and, and had MBAs and you name it. And, I, you know, I went to a, a fine, small liberal arts school in upstate New York called Ithaca College, but not the pedigree that those I was competing with had. And I thought, wow, I'm, I'll, you know, never... Um, either outrank them or, or, or be as successful and, until I discovered that, well, wait a minute, that might not be true if I work really hard, harder than them. That will, yeah. you know, that will make up for what at least I perceived at the time to be, you know, some of my uh, deficiencies. I want to talk uh, about that. I want to, can I ask you about that? Because I read some of the things you've said um, and written. That's interesting to me because you said that, um, You've never led from a, from a fear position, meaning you, you don't you're never you don't have this fear of failure, right? This fear of if I'm wrong, I think that's a pretty unique trait in leadership, um, especially someone who has led as long as you have. In that, there was probably a ton of times where you could have just done nothing and been fine, and not went into the world of trying to buy Pixar or Lucas. All the things you did, what what? You know, because if it didn't go well, you know, obviously it did, but you risked a lot. Yeah. You know, was that easy to just say, hey, I don't, if this doesn't work. It was easier than, than people maybe would think that it would have been. I mean, I, I, my first meeting with the Disney board as CEO, I proposed buying Pixar, which turned out to be a $7.3 billion acquisition. That's pretty, that's pretty crazy thing yeah. to propose in your first meeting as CEO. I felt, and I still do, by the way, in a world that is constantly evolving, and particularly today's world, and, and transforming and being disrupted, trying to stay still, trying to maintain a pat hand, trying to protect an incumbent position is not a winning strategy. So what mm -hmm. I looked at was the risk associated, it's interesting thinking about the risk associated with a corrupt boss. What's riskier, helping him be corrupt or yeah. turning him in for being corrupt? Yeah. Um, in this particular case, I always thought that the riskier position would be to do nothing, right? Be to play it safe, uh, and so that maybe enabled me to discount the risk of making changes, of making acquisitions. We'll talk later, maybe about transforming the company and into streaming, right? But um, I think part of it also had to do with a confidence that I had in our ability to execute. So if you declare that a strategy, an acquisition, a move that you're making, particularly when you're the CEO of a company, is absolutely the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Then what it comes down to is, if it's the right thing to do, can you do it really well? Can you execute well? Right. You may, in your position, know that trading for a certain player is absolutely the right thing to do, but it still comes down to that player ultimately performing well you know, when they get there or fitting in with the team. Yeah, but, but I also would say you, you skipped over how hard it is to figure out what the right thing to do is. I mean, for you, you're assuming that, it, sure, by, for you, maybe it was easy to say Pixar or whatever the purchases were, or, or we'll talk about streaming later. Getting to that, I, I look at it a little differently. Figuring out the right thing to do is often the hardest thing. Then executing it, but you're, you're kind of saying it's clear. what the, I don't think it's as clear what the right thing to do well, is. I think uh, that's an interesting one. I, when I went through the succession process to become CEO, which was an arduous process, and I was 
considered somewhat of a dark horse candidate because I was an internal, the internal candidate working for a CEO, Michael Eisner, who had brilliant, a brilliant first you know, 10 years as CEO and a rough last 10 years um, through circumstances that you know were complicated. Um, the board was concerned that because I had worked for him for five years as COO that I would just be more of the same and I wouldn't bring change. And so anyway, it was I was a long shot. Because of that, they in the succession process, I knew I had to impress upon them why I should get the job. Mm-hmm. And one way to do that was to have a very, very clear strategy to that I would deploy at Disney if I got the job. Mm-hmm. So one was creating the strategy. Second, it was figuring out how to articulate it to the board with complete resolve, meaning no hesitation, with a confidence, maybe an overconfidence. So I think as CEO, but so I did that before I became CEO in order to become CEO. But I think if you're running a big organization, you're called upon all the time to make yeah. a call about the future. Yeah. Lead where where are you going to take the the, the yeah. organization, the business? Sometimes yeah. it's trying to be predictive. Where's the world going and where should you be in that world? Sometimes you don't even have the luxury of that, that knowing about the future is more difficult. But you got to keep moving forward. And that yeah. means making calls. It's basically your, your own GPS. Yeah. You know? You're, you're setting the direction. And yes, there's a risk associated with it, but that's what you get paid the big bucks to do. It seems to me, um, you, you mentioned a slight insecurity. We all have, I believe, everybody carries a little insecurity. But you seem to me to have kind of this confidence of, I'm going to do this, and if it doesn't work, I'll be fine. Where, where it didn't, And I think, in my opinion, that what might be made you so likable and successful um, is that you you seem sure but you don't beat people over the head with, it was your idea, I did this, I did that. Um, and in leadership, I think that's kind of rare, a little bit. Well, on the second part, um, which is the taking credit and I did this, I've always a big, I'm always a big believer in sort of the, either the truth will set you free. You know, people, yeah. You know what you've done, and people will know what you did. And they may give you credit for it or not, but you still know what you've done. I never felt that I had to convince people or, or to, um, to necessarily tout it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, my record speaks for itself, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah. It's that simple. You touched upon something in the beginning the, of that. The, the con- uh, you, what, what gives you this sureness? What, where well, is so that? For, yeah. Obviously, as I... Um, aged and got more mature and got more comfortable in my in certainly my job running Disney I became more confident in my own abilities and my own instincts maybe so to a point where we're too confident we'll talk about that but so I even became I became I addressed some of my own insecurities just by by being successful (laughs) just happened it was a lucky thing but I think in many ways I felt I felt and this wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't obsessed with this, but I was an underdog in almost everything that I did for a long time. I, I noted I was kind of an underdog to become CEO. There are a lot of people who didn't believe in me. Mm-hmm. At one point, I was made head of ABC Entertainment. I had never worked in the entertainment side. I had only been in sports. People said, well, you'll never make it there. You've never right. read a script before. Um, I, I had, you know, I go all going all the way back, you know, my dad was a a well-educated man, went to Wharton, was a talented man, played a brilliant trumpet player, um, and had manic depression and spent a lifetime being unfulfilled and frustrated because he couldn't hold a job because of his manic depression. And yeah. I, I think, and so I lived, I grew up in very modest means. And yeah. maybe that helped teach me a great work ethic, I don't know. But because yeah. of that, I felt I was not starting out with help. I didn't, I never felt that I had wind at my back. Yeah, that's interesting. That to me is a big, and and now, and now you have children, and they have a little wind. Right, I will too. I mean, I have three daughters. They're going to have wind at their back. They have wind at their back. You're you're kind of the first generation, you know, of of your of your group. Um, um, it sounds like your father was brilliant, but you didn't grow up. You had to work, and you had to. Um, I had no wind in my back other than yeah. well, the love and. The love of my parents, from my yeah. parents, was, you know, that's a lot. Not, yeah. Not everybody feels that. It was palpable to me. Love and support yeah. and encouragement. Sometimes yeah. maybe a little too much encouragement. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's interesting bringing up kids who, 
you know, certainly children of privilege and trying to figure out to instill in them the fact that they got to create their own wind a little bit. In other words, their own opportunity. I don't think they'll ever be at the point where, you know, they, they will feel like they're underdogs as much as I did. They're not delivering pizza. They're not. Well, um, (laughs) I don't know. No, they're doing a different form of that. Different, different. Not pizza. Well, they both. Work. Let's see. They, they did. They they both had summer jobs. Yeah. Um, actually, they for three or four years, each of them uh, helped a, a basketball coach coach um, professional players in a gym here in L.A. And that meant opening the gym, turning the lights on, yeah. making sure there were towels, feeding them water, rebounding right. for them. Yeah. Now, I I scraped gum off the bottom of desks working at it as a junior high school summer uh, custodian. Right. Yeah. That's a, tough, that. that's a, that's a very low bar to slide under. You know, I don't know how much is the, what, um, b- back to your decisions, you, you said something interesting as far as maybe you became overconfident in the end. I don't, I don't know what you're referring to there, but w- was there a decision you made uh, anywhere along the way or a course you took where you said, if this doesn't work, I'm getting fired. Did you ever risk that or feel oh, that? Yes. Yes. What was the one where you were the most went to bed that night and told, your wife or a friend, hey, this this is dicey. This, well, this it's interesting. The Pixar acquisition probably would have been the first big one. Um, right. I'm if you didn't get it or if it didn't work? If it didn't work. Okay. I'm a brand new CEO, uh, Disney Animation, which is, had been a driver of not only brand perception, but of the bottom line for Disney for decades, was a mess and had to be fixed. I kind of knew that if I didn't fix it fast, my tenure as CEO would not be long-lasting. Right. And my wife, Willow, reminded me a number of times that the average tenure of a Fortune 500 CEO was like three and a half years. Right. That was actually quite interesting. One, she's yeah. saying, don't get too used to this because, you know, it, you, may, you may fit into average. Um, <laughs> uh, but, she was, but in a way, what she was also saying was, go for it. Right. In other words, you're in a position where taking risks may be the best thing you could do. Yeah. Because if you don't, then you may not address some of the issues that need to be addressed and you'll end up you'll end up, you know, basically falling into average, which is not having right. a job long. So I knew that if I didn't fix Disney animation, I'm in trouble. I it just turns out I, I saw a radical approach or took a radical approach to doing that, which yeah. is rather than replacing a few people who are running Disney animation, I didn't really have that many alternatives. I decided I'd buy Pixar and bring all those folks in to completely mm-hmm. redo animation at the company, not only bring Pixar in, but to have them run Disney Animation, and then bring Steve Jobs in, our, our largest shareholder and a member of the board, which also had a you know, very positive impact mm-hmm. on the company. Um, so, my, you know, but I knew, I, I did not go to sleep telling Willow, if this doesn't work, I'm gone. She knew, right. I didn't have to. She knew. My wife calls me average too, so I, that, that that may be good, right? It may be good. To... <laughs> yeah, we need to be reminded every once in a while. That, you know, yeah, it, it was unsaid. If it didn't work, she knew, and you knew where it was where it was going. But I knew. But I knew. I knew if it didn't work out, Wall Street was gave me a hard time for it, and a lot of people thought I was crazy. And if it didn't work out, I was gone. Right. You know, there's a great quote from Teddy Roosevelt, um, former president. It's called the man in the arena quote, and it yeah. starts talking about it's not the critic who counts, it's the person who's actually in the arena, you know, who basically yeah. is in the fight. But it ends with, if he fails, at least fails daring greatly, right. so that he will never be with those timid souls that know neither victory nor defeat. Right. That has right. been a kind of almost a beacon of mine yeah. for a very long time, which is, look, go for it. If you're going to, yeah. you know... Yeah. If you're gonna you know if you're gonna try something, do something bold. Yeah, yeah. It's, that one strikes a chord too, because with me, because I'm in this arena where we compete so many times, and most in our league, my league that I'm in, 30 teams compete and one succeeds. So, so 29 others have dared greatly and not achieved. And there's so many times in my life where I've thought, why am I doing? What am I? You don't. There's only one outcome that that feels good at the end. Um, but I've fallen back on being in that arena is worth the pain, is worth mm-hmm. feeling like you came up short, but you took a shot. And I, I've always, like you said, it's interesting to hear you say that in a leadership role, sometimes not taking the shot is more painful 
than taking it, right? Had Pixar not even worked, you would have had more trouble sleeping if you didn't try to do it than, yeah. than doing it and failing by trying to do it. I think you know, there's a so great I, Wayne Gretzky quote about taking a shot. I can't yeah, remember exactly yeah. He says you can't, you never make the ones you don't take or something like, it's like Michael Jordan. Yeah, like I never, well, never Jordan. make the shot you don't take. You know, I, I was scared to shoot. I was not a good player. So I, I never took a game winning shot. But seriously, um, I wasn't a player, but I got the job and I realized I got to take shots. And, yeah. and you also real. I did this when I was at ABC Entertainment programming primetime for ABC2, which is television at that point had gotten cookie cutter like a lot of shows that were derivative of other shows. No one was taking big risks in network TV at the time. Cable mm-hmm. was just for, really starting to grow and come into its own. That's where all the risks were being taken. I thought, well, why can't we take risks? Yeah. And the reason we couldn't is that most people who were in those jobs were fearful of their jobs if they took a risk and it didn't work. Sure. And so I put Twin Peaks on ABC in 1990. People thought I was yeah. out of my mind. Yeah. Um, but I got so much, and it didn't, it failed, it, it worked, and then it failed. Mm-hmm. I got more credit for that failing than I did for yeah. anything that succeeded. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it, you also wasn't just Pixar's. ESPN Radio Sports Beat with Freddie Coleman. So what's going to happen tonight in Game 7 of the American League Championship Series deep in the heart of Texas? When you got Texas Rangers on one side and the Houston Astros on the other side, if they didn't like each other before, they really don't like each other now. And everybody, whether you're a hardcore baseball fan or a casual baseball fan, in and out of that state of Texas has completely benefited. We've had not one home game being won by a team in this series. We've also had that hate, that hate, 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 that is good old-fashioned sports hate that culminated in Game 5 in which pitches were thrown inside, a batter was hit by the Texas Rangers, benches cleared, Dusty Baker, the Houston Astros manager, got thrown out. He says, I don't get mad about a lot of things, but that really got under my last nerve. If you're Major League Baseball, no matter what happens tonight, you have this series on loop in the offseason to let everybody know exactly what is so special about the playoffs in Major League Baseball. Last couple of years, we keep hearing that, right? That that I'm talking about is, man, it's about to be this time for the Kansas City Chiefs. Their reign is about to end in the AFC and in the National Football League. At a certain point, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to go back into their cave where they're no longer championship contenders, not even winning their division. And after they lost game one to the Detroit Lions, everybody who had a mouth or had a computer, or had a phone, or had a social media page, was saying, now the beginning of that dynasty is over. All of a sudden, you look up at the seven games. They're 6-1, and one, best record in the AFC. And now the conversation is, man, the Chiefs are back. The Chiefs ain't going anywhere. They didn't go anywhere after losing game one without Travis Kelsey, who was injured, and Chris Jones trying to get his money to the defensive side, and both of those guys are back. And they still had that number 15 guy in red. The Chiefs are not back. They didn't go anywhere, and they're not going anywhere anytime soon. SF Winning. For the ESPN Radio Sports Beat, I'm Freddie Coleman. Mike Greenberg. Greeny. This team sucks. There's no other way to say it. Belichick has to be held accountable for this. This is his product. No one person in the entire National Football League, no one is more responsible for what goes on to a field every weekend than Bill is. They're his players. It's his coaching staff. He's made every decision there, top to bottom, more than anybody else. And it's awful. They have cratered. They have reached rock bottom. They may be as bad as any team in the NFL. This is a mess. If I'm Bob Kraft, I have to start giving really serious consideration to how this thing is going to end. Because however much leeway Bill Belichick has earned, he has certainly earned the right to walk away the way he wants to. But not necessarily when he wants to. This can't continue. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. Weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on 